Well, happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. We want to take a moment to recognize you. And first, let's just say this. It's not fair that you only get one day, okay? You deserve a lot more than one day. But would you stand so that we can recognize you if you were a mom or a grandma? I know you're in here, ladies. I saw you. There you are. There you are. All right. Now, the rest of us, you can do better than this. Give these ladies a hand. There we go. Nice. Nice. All right. You can have a seat. We appreciate you ladies. Uh, being a mom is, is tough, tough work. Thank you for all of your effort and energy and the tireless hours that you put in on our behalf, not just keeping the children alive, but the rest of us as well. So thank you. Now we know that on Mother's Day, it can be bittersweet for a lot of reasons. Uh, my, my mother-in-law passed away two years ago, and it's just a painful reminder today that she's not here with us. And so we're, we're dealing with that. Or maybe you're like my wife, Casey, and I, and you've miscarried or you've lost a child. That's painful. Or maybe you long to be a mother, but for whatever reason, that, that hasn't happened yet. That can be really painful, or maybe you're a mom and you have a strained relationship with a child, or you're a child and you've got a strained relationship with your mom. Mother's Day can hurt. Maybe you've put a child up for adoption, or you've had an abortion. Mother's Day can just be hard for lots of different reasons. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to thank God for all the moms in there. I just want to recognize maybe we're all at a different place today. So would you pray with me, and uh, then we're going to move on. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word that says that you decided to create men and women and men and women in your image and likeness to be distinct and different. And we thank you for all of those differences. And I thank you that in your divine wisdom, there is just something about your love, your grace, your mercy that is revealed through moms. Your tenderness and your kindness and your goodness. It would be lost if we didn't have moms. And so I thank you so much for these ladies, for all that they do, uh, just uh, the countless things that these moms do. We thank you so much for them. I also pray for the other ladies or folks in the room that are maybe they're hurting today for a wide range of reasons. Father, would you please bring peace and comfort as only you can, no matter where they're at. Meet, them where, meet us all where we are. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. And it is in his great name that we pray. Amen. So last week we kicked off this brand new series called Our House. And we're looking at the, the important relationships in our lives. And we're doing that by looking at the different rooms in a home that represent those relationships. And last week Steve kicked us off by talking about the front door. And talking about the importance of setting boundaries in terms of who we allow in our life, right? That's really important when it comes to relationships. But today we're looking at a very special room in the house that involves the little people. We're going to look at the kids' room. And so I want you to take a moment and think in your mind, who are those little people in your life? Who comes to mind for you? Well, I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, I automatically think of four little people that I would be lost without, my kids. Jude, Ben, Braun, and Kate. They are 11, 10, 7, and 5. And my wife, Casey, and I, we love them with all of our heart. We love them in ways we can't even express, and we spend lots of time, effort, energy, and resources creating an environment at home where they feel loved, where they feel cherished, where they feel safe, where they can be themselves, where they can explore, right? We put lots of effort and energy into that, but can I just let you in on a little secret? I trust you guys with this. It is the hardest thing we've ever done. I mean, it is just overwhelming, and I don't even know if we're winning. I, if there's a scoreboard, I don't, I don't know that I want to see because I think we're playing from behind, right? I mean, you get this as a parent, right? You try your best to do what is right and what is good, but you're pretty sure you're hurting them more 
then you're helping them, right? Can, I don't see any heads nodding. There were lots of head noddings last service. Okay, if, at least one fake nod, good. I know I'm not alone, right? We had something happen in our family a couple of years ago that just was in a nutshell for me what parenting feels like. It was a Friday afternoon. It had been a very busy week. And so I decided, hey, honey, why don't you spend some time at home with our daughter? I'll take the boys. I'll get them off the bus. I'll go run errands for you. You can have some quiet time at home. So I got the boys off the bus. She gave me the list. We were gone. And the story's too long. I can't tell you the whole thing, but here's what happened. Our first stop, I trip the alarm system on our minivan, which isn't a big deal, right? I mean, the lights are flashing, the horn is honking, but if you've got the key fob, no big deal. Well, I don't carry the key fob because I told my wife, it's too bulky in my pocket. I don't want to bother with that. So I have an alarm going off in my car that I can't stop. Now put yourself in my shoes. I'm in a parking lot. This is my first stop. It looks like I'm stealing someone's van and kidnapping their kids all at the same time. But then I disengaged the battery thinking that'll fix it. Oh no, it doesn't. Didn't stop it. So I, now I have a decision to make. Am I going to go home and wreck this special time with my wife and my daughter and, and show up and say, ah, oh, I kind of messed it up again. Or am I just going to tough it out and run errands? Well, I wasn't about to go home and say, hey, I screwed it up. I just we drove around for the next hour with the alarm going off. Now, this was supposed to be special time with my boys. Guys, it was, it was awful. It was tense. I was mad. They were embarrassed. I mean, you pull every stop sign we pulled up to, people are like, what is this guy's deal? I just, I, I expected to get pulled over. I, I really did. And at one point, at one point, one of our sons breaks down crying. Daddy, why are you doing this to us? And I'm thinking... I'm trying to do what's best. I wanted to spend some time with you. I wanted your mom to have a relaxing time at home with your sister. Give me a break. And then imagine my wife when I come tearing up the driveway. Get out the key fob. Like I'm yelling like, oh, it was just so awful. My blood pressure was through the roof, stroke level. Now here's why I share that with you. That is parenting for me in a nutshell. I try to do what's right. I try to do what's good. And inevitably, Something blows up over there, something blows up over here, and I'm pretty sure I'm just scarring my kids in the process, right? I'm losing them. I'm playing from behind again. And I'm going to guess that by your laughter, you have been there. You've been there, right? I mean, that's just the way it works for some unfortunate reason. So I just want to be really clear with you. I want to be sitting where you are today. I would much rather be sitting there taking notes on how to be a better parent or in a better adult with kids because I don't have this thing figured out. And I could tell you story after story of why that's true. In fact, on Tuesday night, I sat down to dinner with my kids and said, hey guys, I want to let you know something. I'm preaching on parenting this weekend. And I just want to confess to all of you that I know I'm not the world's greatest dad. And all four of my sweet, amazing kids look back at me with love and tenderness, and they said, you're right, you should let Steve preach. So they get it. They know. They know they have teased me all week. So I want to be where you are, but since I'm up here, I thought, well, if I were sitting there, what would I need? What do I need? I don't need another parenting principle to memorize. I don't need another rule. I don't need to know how I'm blowing it. What I need, I need a pep talk. I need someone to come along and encourage me and say, you're doing the right thing. Stay the course. This is supposed to be hard. No pain, no gain. And at this point, there's been lots of pain. So I just, I can't imagine how great the gain's going to be, right? And I need someone to put their arm around me and say, it's okay. You've got good kids. 
And I need someone to remind me, yeah, you're probably scarring them, but Jesus can undo some of that, right? He can do that. I just need a pep talk. I need someone to encourage me on this journey. So if you are a parent or a grandparent, if you are a foster parent, if you interact with kids in any way, shape, or form, and you need a pep talk, can I just get an amen? It would make me feel better. Amen. Thank you. Good. Even if you faked it, I feel better right now, okay? Now, when I say we're going to be talking about kids today, that divides the room in a couple of different ways. There's biological parents and there's foster parents that are trying our very best to keep kids alive on a day-to-day basis, which shouldn't be as hard as it is, but sometimes you just don't know how it's going to go, right? You've got grandparents who have survived parenting, and now they're breaking all the rules that they set. You know who you are, right? Oh, rules. Who needs rules? I'm a grandparent, right? There's people that long to be parents, that can't wait for that day to get here. There's people that work with kids in a variety of settings. Then there's the students in the room. Raise your hand if you're a student. I want to talk to you. You're the reason we need this pep talk, okay? If you all would help us out a little bit, we wouldn't have all this gray hair. We wouldn't be so stressed. So please take some good notes for the rest of us. But then there's one last group of people. And these are the people that are sitting there. You're smiling. you got your arms crossed because you're thinking, I don't know why anybody would ever want to have kids. I'm not in that boat. You're on your own, right? Now, no matter where you're at on that spectrum, I want you to hear me when I say this. Just because I'm talking about kids today does not mean I'm only talking to parents, okay? There is something here for all of us. In fact, I'm going to show you some examples from Scripture where I know that this is true. This is why we celebrate family dedication as a church family. What we didn't say to these parents is, good luck, you're on your own. We said we committed We will pray with you. We will pray for you. We will help you. We will encourage you along the way. So there is a role for all of us to play. And here's why this is so important for us to grasp. Because these little, helpless, needy, slimy gremlins, my wife said I shouldn't say that, but it's true. They're slimy gremlins. They're going to grow up to be big people. They're going to face huge decisions in life. And if we don't all make a commitment right now to help shape their lives, Well, there's no telling where they're going to end up or how they're going to end up or who they're going to hurt along the way. So we all have to be in the game on this one. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Me too, man. Me too. So who here doesn't want to see children succeed? Is there anybody? Is there anybody here that enjoys watching children suffer? Is there anyone that likes watching teenagers make the same mistakes you made when you were their age? Or do you think, oh gosh, I wish I could help them, right? Is there anyone here that wants the next generation to stumble into adulthood feeling helpless and hopeless? I know you guys, you're great people. You don't want that for them. So what are we going to do? How are we going to do this thing together? Well, as it turns out, there is a very well-known proverb in the middle of the book of Proverbs that provides not just some practical wisdom about how to impact the next generation, but where we can begin. Proverbs 22.6 says this, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now think about this. That was written down 2,500 years ago. 2,500 years ago. That's old, right? But think of how much wisdom is encapsulated there. What, essentially, what the, what the writer is saying is if you start a child off and you point them in the right direction, even when they're old, they'll know which direction they should be going in. But here's what's really important about this. That is a proverb. It is not a promise. There are no guarantees that just because you quote that to your kids and you pray through that, there's no guarantees. We have to stay engaged every step of the way 
and parents need help from others in order for this to, to, to be lived out, to be expressed. And as you might expect, Jesus understood the value of this proverb. In fact, he modeled it for his disciples. And in chapter 19 of his gospel, Matthew records an interaction with Jesus, some parents, some children, and his disciples. And there's a few things we can learn from this brief interaction that we can put into practice. For starters, Matthew 19, 13 says this, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. Now here's what you need to know about Jesus's ministry at this time. It was huge. Crowds of hundreds, if not thousands of people were following him everywhere that he went. So there's no really surprise that the disciples would, or that these parents would say, let's go see this Jesus guy. Let's get our kids up in front of Jesus, right? I mean, if you're a good parent, that's what you would want. So it's not surprising that's what they would want. But what is surprising is what the disciples say. Look at this next verse. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering them. Now that just seems a little backwards, right? Why would they do that? But I want, to, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. People everywhere, and I'm going to ask you an honest question, and I want an honest answer. Has someone else's children ever got on your nerves? Yeah, you're like, oh gosh, Jesus, we got, we got needy adults. We don't need needy kids. Get these kids out of here, right? Get them out of here. So you understand that. I mean, this is my rock star rabbi. Don't bother him with your kids. But what you might not know is that in Jesus' day, children were completely marginalized. They had no power, no status, and few, if any, rights. And it's not that parents didn't care about their kids. It's just that childhood wasn't considered an honored stage of life. Now, in our culture, that seems pretty backwards, right? Because in our culture, kids are like the, the center of a family. And they even drive around a lot, right? Like, whatever the kids want, that's what we get. So this is completely backwards than what we're used to. But there's something really important that these parents do. They are willing to push through the crowd, push past the disciples to get their children in front of Jesus. And that's the first thing that all of us can do, whether you are a parent or not. This is the most important thing, is to push through for the kids in your life. We have to push through for these kids. Now, I'm going to guess that this little story that only takes like two sentences was a really big deal because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three recorded it. And it's only like that long in your Bible. But there must have been something special or different about the links that these parents were willing to go to to get their kids to be in front of Jesus. And so we need to learn from their example and to be willing to push through for the kids in our life. And as my wife Casey and I, as we journey through parenting together, there are some things that we continue to learn or need to be reminded of over and over again when it comes to pushing through for our kids. For starters... We're learning to value the value of measuring our days wisely. I don't know what it's like at your house, but days melt away. I mean, they're just gone before we know it. And the reality is, even though the days are long and the nights seem longer with kids, they're only going to be under our direct care and supervision for a little period of time. In, in the book, Don't Miss It, Reggie Joyner and Kristen Ivey say it like this. The future of your children is coming like a freight train. You better get your act together as a parent because you are running out of time. If you are not careful, you will miss out on what's most important and mess them up for the rest of their lives. Now, those are some bold words, right? But I think we would all agree. The days just pass by so quick. They're going to be gone before we know it. So we have to push through and stay engaged. Think of it like this, parents. Everybody sees your kids right now for who they are. 
but it's our responsibility to see how their past, their present, and their future is all connected. That's our responsibility, which means we've got to stay engaged. We have to push through and create healthy patterns and rhythms in our homes that produce peace and rest instead of chaos and strife. And we have to push through by committing to shape their character and their faith day in and day out with small deposits. We have to push through and realize that in spite of their attitude, tone, and frustration in the moment, they have been crafted by God in his image and likeness. And he has a very special, unique role for each one of them to play in this world. Now, a big part of pushing through for the kids in our lives means that we have to learn to discipline them in a way that's loving, consistent, and appropriate. And I know that when I say, when I talk about children and discipline, some of us are way over here and say you should never, and some of us over here and say nobody does it enough, and some of us think that it should be this extreme, and some of us are way down here, right? We're all over the board. But in his book, 12 Rules for Life, Jordan Peterson has one chapter on parenting that I've actually really enjoyed, and he says this, it is an act of responsibility to discipline a child. It's not anger at misbehavior or revenge for a misdeed. It is instead a careful combination of mercy and long-term judgment. And then he ends like this. He says, proper discipline requires effort. Have you ever been disciplining your kids and thought, why is this so hard? Proper discipline requires effort. Now, on the subject of discipline, it's also very important for each one of us as adults to know our own capacity to be harsh, vengeful, resentful, arrogant, angry, and deceitful, especially when there is a little kid that is pushing your buttons and has pushed you past the limit. And on this note, Peterson says this, any adult who is seriously aware of their tolerance for misbehavior when provoked by a child will also be able to have a proper disciplinary strategy in the heat of battle. He goes on to say that it helps to have other adults supporting you along the way, So you don't get to a place where genuine hatred emerges for a child. He says you need a plan, you need some people, and I would add, have some coffee brewing. Because shepherding kids is exhausting. You're going to need all the help that you can get. Now, if you're not a parent, I want to talk to you for a moment. Because if you're a parent, you're thinking, oh, I need to get better at disciplining my kids. If you're not a parent, I want to challenge you in one really important way or encourage you in this way. We need your help. When it comes to pushing through, we need you to push with us. We need your encouragement when you know that we're failing. We don't need your looks or the rolls of the eyes. We need you to say, hey, it's okay. You're doing such a good job. We need you to cheer us on when you see our kids doing something right because we become store blind. We're so focused on what they're not doing right that we need you to come along and say, you know what? Your kid, wow, did you see that? Anytime somebody does that for me, I'm thinking, okay, God, I must be doing something right. So we need your help pushing through. We need your encouragement. What we don't need, hear me loud and clear, we do not need your unsolicited parenting advice. Okay, please spare us. I don't want it. Nobody wants it. We need your help. Hey, where can I push? How can I help you with this? Let's go back to our story in Matthew because we see these parents push through to get past the disciples, to get through the crowd. And look at how Jesus responds. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these little children. So not only did he invite the company of children, here we see him strategically making time to spend with them, which leads us to the next step that all of us can take. If we want to point kids in the right direction, we need to encourage the kids 
in your life. Encourage the children that are in your life. Now, one of the easiest ways to do this is to put yourself in their shoes. Now, I have four kids. I forget to do this often. But if I would take the time to say, I wonder what's going on in their little brain, it might help me understand how we have arrived where we are. Dave Ferguson points out that there are invisible questions that children ask at every phase of life. And these questions all contain the word I because they're forming their identity with these questions. Preschoolers ask big invisible questions like this. Am I safe? Am I okay? And am I able? And what preschoolers need from us is to help them develop a sense of security by setting appropriate boundaries, affirming their good choices, and celebrating small victories all along the way. Elementary students ask different questions. They ask questions like, am I worthy of your attention? Do I have what it takes? Do I have any friends? And in this phase, this is where we need to turn off the phone, get away from the TV, and get down on the carpet and be with our kids. There's nothing happening on social media that is so important that 10 years from now we'll remember versus spending this time with our kids. And I'm talking to myself as much as anybody. If you know a child that loves to cook, then find a way to cook with that kid. Invite them into your kitchen. Find a recipe and work on it together. If you have a child that loves to play sports, take them to the library and check out books on that sport. Play the sport with them and let them win. This last Thursday, our small group came over for a cookout. And we have a bunch of 20-year-olds in our group. And one of the kids said, let's play kickball. And I'm thinking, I'm 40. I'm like, I ain't playing, football. I ain't playing kickball. And all the kids in my group said, let's do it. And I thought, oh, we're going to play kickball. All right. Kids came from all the yards. We're in our little bitty backyard. And we knew that we should let the kids win. But one of the girls on our team, when it was our turn to kick, she looks back at the rest of us and says, let's make these kids cry. And I was like, yes, those are my kids. Let's make those kids cry. We quit keeping score. We, we could have won. I think we may have let them win, right? But the kids loved it. It was so awesome for my kids to see these 20-year-olds pouring into them. It was great for all of the neighbors to see this happen in our backyard. It was amazing. It, it, it's not hard. Now, once these kids enter middle school, their invisible but questions become more philosophical. Who am I? Who do I like? Who likes me? Where do I belong? And it's during this time, you all know this, Everything in life starts changing. Physically, emotionally, socially, mentally, they're becoming different people. They seem a little crazy at times, right? But this is where we have to show up in their lives with consistency. We have to encourage them. We can't give up on them. We have to help them see the potential that it lies inside of each one of them. Now, one of the things that Casey and I have been doing up to this point, because we're getting ready to have a middle schooler, but there's one thing that we feel like we've done right we make a point to eat dinner together almost every night during the week. Now, that's going to get a little more challenging as we get into this next season. Our parents modeled this for us, but that's just a time for us as a family to turn everything off and to sit at the table together. And that might not sound like a big deal to you, but Michigan State University found that children that eat meals with their families on a regular basis tend to have a greater sense of security and even reported lower rates of drug and alcohol abuse. I think we would all agree that's a good thing, right? Not only that, but sharing mealtimes at home was the single strongest predictor of high academic achievement. So if your kids are struggling in school, just start eating dinner together. Everything is going to get better, right? Probably not. That might be hereditary. I blame you. But eating dinner together can't hurt, right? My parents modeled this. Casey's parents modeled this. And it is just part of the rhythm of our life. I've had to apologize to people, hey, I can't come tonight, I'm eating dinner, maybe later, 
But that is just such an important thing for us as a family. And as we sit down, we talk about our days. And I'll be honest with you, some days it is chaotic and crazy, and there are tears. But some days it's really sweet and goofy, and we're just we're making memories. And so we know that as our kids get older and more activities pop up, this is going to get harder and harder to, to, to keep intact. But I want to challenge everybody here, parent or non-parent, would you be willing to set a goal of having a meal with little ones on a regular basis in your life? Parents, let me ask you this. In 10 years, what's going to shape your kids the most? Will it be all the chaotic, let's get out the door, get in the van, load up, buckle up, I don't care, shut up, let's get to where we're going. Is that going to shape them more? Or will it be all the time? They're not even going to know you're doing it. Hey, guys, it's dinner time. Come to the table. Hey, guys, it's time to eat. I'm going to argue that this is going to shape them more than that. And so just set a goal. Maybe it's three or four nights a week. It may, doesn't always have to be at home, but slow down, calm down, and find a way to eat across the table from your family and talk. Now, if you're not a parent, you still get in on the game here. You can take kids out to ice cream. You can take them out to dinner. Take them to a movie. Take them to a park. Go to a concert. Go to their concert. I mean, just think of all the things that you can do to get involved and there's little lives. And here's why this is so important. Here's the payoff. If we take time now to invest in all of these stages, it is possible that you and I might become people of influence in a high schooler's life. And think about how big their questions are. What should I believe? Why should I believe? Who should I believe? How can I matter? What will I do? And Let's be honest, kids in this phase, they think that they're too cool and they let us know that they're too cool, but when they need us, they need us right now. And if we haven't been involved up to that point, then our phones aren't going to ring. They're not going to text us. So we got to be patient and loving and kind and be available. Think of the potential, parents and gen kids leaders and teachers and coaches and employers. Think of the potential that you could have in the life of a, conver- a conversation just because you've been available all that time and you've been listening well, you've been asking good questions, you've been affirming them on their journey, it'll all pay off when their life blows up and they're like, I know I can trust them. I'm gonna go talk to them. Now let's look back at Matthew 19 because I think there's one more thing that Jesus models for us. Go back to Matthew 19, 14 and 15 and it says, but Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their head and he blessed them before he left. This guy's a busy rock star. Everybody wants his attention. He says, no, 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 come over here. And he's, he's showing them physical affection. If you have children or grandchildren, this is easy. Hug your kids. Tell them how special they are to you. But here's the biggest takeaway. How many kids did Jesus have? None. He's single. 30-year-old single guy saying, oh, come over here, guys. Let's hang out. Let me, tell me about your day. Think of that. That's, that means that all of us are in on this one. None of us are off the hook. We all have to learn to get in, involved in, in a kid's life in this way. And so Jesus is modeling something really important here. Pursue opportunities to impact the kids in your life. In the book Sticky Faith, author Kira Powell explains how important it is that other adults pour into the lives of children other than their parents. Okay, uh, Research shows that every child needs five adults other than their parents speaking into and helping to shape. It takes a village, right? Five other adults. Powell calls this the five-to-one ratio. 
And so if you're a parent, you need to be asking yourself, who are the five to one people for me? Who do I trust my kids with that can be pouring into them? There have been some of you that I have gone up to directly and say, I want you to be one of those five in the life of my kids. I like what I see. Now, we live in a weird day and age. You cannot do this with just anybody. You have to be very strategic and careful with who you're asking to do this, parents. But other, your kids need other influences other than you, so be wise about who you choose. Now, all the rest of us, parents or not, you can be one of the five for someone else. You get to step in and speak in and let my kids know, your dad actually isn't crazy. He loves you a lot. And you're going to say the same thing that I'm saying, and they're going to say, oh, well, this guy's cool. My dad's lame. I'm going to listen to the cool guy. Same advice. I don't care, right, as long as they listen. I remember people that did this for me. My Uncle Donnie picked me up from my house when I was four years old and took me to a job site and taught me how to drive a bulldozer. I still remember it vividly. Might be one of my earliest memories. My second grade teacher, Miss Cooley, came and picked me and my brother and my cousins up on a hot summer day and took us swimming, making her the coolest teacher ever. Those are just two examples. And I bet you can think through the people in your life that have done this for you. Think about how valuable you could be in the life of a kid. Some of you have done this for my kids already. We moved here 10 months ago, and Casey and I very quickly thought, Genesis is our church home. Great people. We love being around them. We love it. But it's you guys that have helped make their, this their church home. One of you is their private secret prayer partner, and you write letters to them, and my son writes back to you, and you're helping him pray through friends and decisions. Thank you. One of you recruited my youngest son, Braun, to greet with him on the front door. He even got a little name badge recently, and he just thinks it's the coolest thing to serve with you. I want to thank you. There's those of you that serve in gen kids that are shaping my daughter who can be a little wild at times. Thank you. I know that she's a handful. And my other son, I want to thank every one of you. You know why? Because Genesis has become their church home, not because mom and dad says it has to be. But you've shown them that this is a church home that they want to be a part of. Now, I want to challenge everybody as we, as we wrap up with this. How can you be one of the five in the life of a child here at Genesis and out in our community. We want to help you with this. There are very easy opportunities on a Sunday morning to get involved in the life of children birth through fifth grade. And maybe you're thinking, okay, Jerry, I don't do child care. We don't either. We talk about making disciples that make disciples, and we think that happens as soon as they're born, which is why we said to all these parents, we're going to help you. And so you're not, it's not, not doing child care. You're learning how to disciple Children, you're coming alongside these parents. And I'm not going to tell you that we need you, but I think the kids do. We want to invite you to be on mission with us, but those kids need your influence. They need your voice. They need you to help shape their future. And by the way, we have some amazing adults that help with this that would love to show you the ropes. People like Thomasina and Margo and Debbie and Jackie and Polly. Amazing men like Pete, Matt, Brad, Todd, and Curtis. Great people that would love to see new faces in their room and say, hey, teach me how to do that. How do you do that? What, what, what can I do to help you? And here's what's really cool about each one of them. Some of them teach lessons. Some of them rock babies. Some of them get on the floor and play games. Some of them come in during the week to help prep the rooms. But every one of them is using their gifts, their skills, their talents, their abilities to make an impact in the life of kids on a regular basis. So what are you waiting for? you could be one of the five in the lives of the children here at Genesis Church. But maybe little kids freak you out. Okay, what about middle school and high school? They meet on Sunday nights. 
My son Jude is getting ready to go into middle school next year, so he got to go to a preview service last Sunday. He showed up. He was excited that there was pizza, there was Pepsi, and there were kids and games, and he, he loved it. You know what Casey and I got most excited about? Seeing Danielle and Amanda and Angie and Brad and Zach, because I'm thinking, okay, when he's not with me, he's with them, and I trust these people. I see their passion. I see how fun they are, and I know that, that, that they think like I think, and so they would love to see you. If you're curious, you should shadow but what are you waiting for? By the way, did you notice when you came in, you probably received a program from somebody in GSM? Those are the faces. That's the next generation of leaders here at Genesis Church. They are waiting for us to say, hey, you're important. How can I help you grow? What questions do you have? They're real people. They're waiting on us to respond to them. Maybe you're thinking, okay, Jerry, but I don't know a lot about the Bible. Hey, guess what? Here's the secret. They don't know what you don't know. And it's okay to say that you don't know. You can learn alongside them. Think of what that says. And then you can look at them and say, gosh, if I were thinking about this stuff when I was your age, holy moly, it would have saved me so much trouble. They're, they're watching you model it. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm way too old. Who has trouble acting like they're 12? Not many people, right? You can act like you're 12 years old. They're dying to have your impact in their life. That can happen on Sunday mornings can happen on Sunday nights. It needs to happen out in our communities with our neighbor kids that drive us crazy. These are all opportunities to influence kids. In a few weeks, Steve is going to Africa to run some ridiculous 50-mile race. Pray for him, okay? But he's doing it. He's partnering with World Vision to raise awareness for the need to sponsor children all across the world. And so in a couple weeks, World Vision's gonna be here. Someone's gonna speak and tell us all about that. And you will have an opportunity to sponsor a child whose life, I promise you, is not like life in Carmel, Indiana. Or even in Hamilton County, for that matter. There are so many things that we can do to, to, to influence and impact the next generation. They're just waiting for us to show up. Now, there's one more story from the Gospels that I found where Jesus interacted with a kid. You probably know this, but there was another time where all these crowds of people came, and they had been teaching all day long, and they were hungry, and the disciples say, send them home, Jesus. We don't have any food. But one of Jesus' disciples, a guy named Andrew, had made friends with this little boy who had a lunch, and Andrew says, all this kid has is some fish and some bread. Obviously, mom packed his lunch because dad would have been a Mountain Dew, Dorito, and a Twinkie, right? That, the, the Bible would read so differently. But Jesus took that little boy's lunch and multiplied it and impacted the life of thousands, all because Andrew said, oh, hey, he made a friend with this kid. Now, I want you to flip that. What if you were pouring into one child? What could Jesus do with one child that you might not ever get to see or experience or enjoy on this earth? But when you got to heaven, if Jesus said, hey, come here, I want to show you. Remember, look, see all those people? You, you helped make that happen. Wouldn't that be worth it? I mean, it, you'd have to be strategic. You'd have to give some things up, but it would be worth it. We all know it. So I want to challenge all of you today, all of us, myself included. How will you impact the life of the next generation. They are waiting for us to show up. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I love you. We love you. We praise you, Jesus, for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you for these stories that, Jesus, when you were confronted with children, you didn't freak out and run away and say, all right, guys, it's time to leave town. You stopped everything, and you showed those kids, hey, come here. Heaven is for you.
and you showed them affection and love. And I just can't imagine how much that blessed their parents and even shocked the disciples. Jesus, would you help every one of us? This is for every one of us. Not one of us gets to leave this building today off the hook. Would you help every one of us figure out how we can be pouring into the life of some little person now so that later they would make your name famous, Jesus? That is our prayer. Help us to be people that respond. Help us, help, I pray that Genesis Church would be different because the people see the way that we treat kids and say, wow, I want my kids to be a part of a church like that. Would you raise up a whole new generation of leaders around here? It would start with Gen Kids and GSM, and then years down the road, we would see how these kids grow and fill these spots in our church. That's our prayer, Jesus. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.